Welcome to Outreach Church. Thanks for checking out this week's message. To hear more, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or visit outreachchurch.net for downloads and service information. How you guys doing today? Good. Can y'all hear me okay? Awesome. Well, man, I don't know about you guys, but the last three days has had me taking lots of naps on my parents' couch. I've been filling myself up with some stuffing. My parents' house, my parent-in-law's house. Man, sometimes when you have a couple of days off work and you eat a really good big meal, you forget exactly how good a nap is. <laughs> oh, but I love, I love Thanksgiving, and I love this time of year. You know, I was thinking the other day, you know, it says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And I think that is a verse that sums up this time of year. Because you come into the holiday season, the Christmas season, through a day of Thanksgiving. And then you have this season where all these people are walking around. And they're singing Christmas carols. They're singing praises. And it creates a heavenly atmosphere in the world. And if you want to get answers to questions, find a heavenly atmosphere or create one in yourself. That's probably the better way to do it. You don't have to wait till December. But it opens a door. I think this season opens a door for Revelation. I journal, um, I try to journal, let me say that, but I am effective at journaling two times a year, once at the beginning of it and once at the end of it, (laughs) and uh, the other times is just, you know, when I think of it. By the end of the year, I notice something always happens. I, I, I sit back and I look over what God did with me that year. And sometimes I don't really realize everything he did until I have a time of reflection. Until I position myself with what I'm thankful for. Until I give him praise for what he's done. And I start seeing more of who he is and more of who I am. You know, you can't have a revelation of you who you are greater than a revelation of who he is. And when your revelation of who you are is greater than your revelation of who he is, it's not going to be in alignment. It's not going to be fully correct. You know, Our revelation of who we are as sons comes from having a revelation of knowing who he is as father. That's something we have to have. And you can't really walk in the prophetic without that revelation. Because what the prophetic is, is making known to the world around you what God's heart is and what his mind is for you. What his heart is and mind is for the solutions or for the issues in your life, or the, the things that are being presented to you, the things that are going on in the world, knowing what his heart and his mind is on these matters. And if you want to change the world, that's what needs to be released. I tell people, when you're walking in the prophetic, there's three things that you have to really know how to do before you can really walk in it maturely. One, you have to know you can hear his voice. You have to be able to hear his voice. Two, you have to know how to apply it. And three, you need to be able to walk it out. And what I found, when you look at those three things, the easiest thing to do is to hear his voice. Romans 12 says, by faith, you can prophesy. By faith, we prophesy. So right now, let's just get started with this. We're going to all come into this message on the same level. Tap someone on the shoulder and tell them, you can prophesy. Come on. Now tap them on the shoulder again and say, I can prophesy. All right. See, 
We have to have that revelation because the enemy comes to try to attack you in your weakness, tries to attack you in your youthfulness, in your immaturity. He came at Moses when he was a baby. He came at Jesus when he was a baby. He came at David with the lion, with the tiger, with the bear. But by the time he got done with the lion, the tiger, and the bear, and he saw a Philistine in the distance, he knew what to do with some stones. And when you can understand, you can believe that I can hear the voice of the Lord, I can create change by his word in my mouth, then you can take down the giants that come around your path. So that's what we have to realize. But what I find is the most difficult in this process isn't the fact, can you hear it? It's what to do with it once you have it. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is the story of Samuel when Saul comes to him. This is a a radical story. Saul comes to him and he's got his donkeys lost. And Samuel already knows that Saul's on his way like a true prophet. He says to him, yeah, I know you were here. I already had some meat set aside for you for the feast. He says, come with me. You're going to eat at my table. We're going to do this. You're going to spend a night at my house, and the next day I'm going to tell you everything you ever wanted to know. I love that. I love the confidence of that. And so he does it, and the next day he says to him, all right, so you're going to leave here. You're going to go out. You're going to do this. You're going to find this man. He's going to tell you your dad's not worried about you anymore. He's not worried about the donkeys. He's worried about you. And then you're going to go here, you're going to see this, you're going to see these men prophesy, and you're going to go up and prophesy with them. And then everyone's going to say, is Saul too one of the prophets? I mean, he's just telling bit by bit, detail by detail by detail, how this is going to go down. And then he says this, and then you'll be changed into another man. That's what the prophetic does. It changes you. In the Old Testament, it changed them into another man. But in the New Testament, what it does is it aligns you with who you really are as a new creation. Prophetic brings things into a kingdom alignment. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3, that prophecy is used to strengthen, comfort, and encourage. In Romans 14, it says that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So when I look at these two things, where I see what prophecy does when it puts, strengthens you, when it comforts you, when it encourages you. When it strengthens you, it puts you in joy, because the joy of the Lord is your strength. When it comforts you, it positions you in righteousness, in right standing with God. Because the most comforting place to be is to know that you were next to Jesus. And it encourages you because it brings peace to your life. Prophecy positions you in the kingdom. And so he does this. He says that you'll be turned into a different man. But you know what the next thing he says? Do whatever your hands find to do. I find that so interesting. Do what your hands find to do. I think a lot of people, and I see everyone, you know, we're all in a different place. We're all learning from a different history, from different backgrounds. We're all in a different stage of our development in life and our relationship with the Lord. God's teaching us all different things. I could talk to every single one of you in here, and you probably have something a little different of what God's teaching you in, because you're living a different life. And so, when you're trying to figure out, how do I operate in the prophetic? How do I, how am I fully me? 
and fully prophetic? These are loaded questions, and they're complicated. But that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about to you how you can operate in the prophetic and how we as a body can do it unified but diverse. Because the world needs to see something unique. And what's unique is you. You know that old song, God Loves Little Children? Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. <laughs> I sang that yesterday in front of Mass, and Mass was like, Dave, stop. <laughs> I was thinking about that, and God has not just made you unique in your appearance or in your character, but he's actually made you unique in your gifting. So what does that look like, to be unique in your gifting? I want to read this here to you. This is 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7. And it's Paul. He's writing to the Corinthian church. And he's talking about how we're all created differently in our gifting. So here it is. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of services, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you make yourself known to all these people, that you highlight to us how you created us, how you've designed us to operate in our gifting. As we go from here, as we go about our life in all different places, you've positioned us in different places. You've positioned us and brought us out from different places in our lives, from different, we all have a different history. I just ask that you bring revelation to how we can be and prophesy the way that you created us to be and prophesy. Amen. So when I read this, I see a couple of different things. There's three areas that you are unique in your gifting, and you're unique created in how your spirit man operates. It's in your gifting, it's in your calling, and it's in your function. In your gifting, in your calling, and in your function. In the time of Babylon, there was four prophets. There was Daniel, there was Jeremiah, there was Ezekiel, and there was Habakkuk. There's four people who were operating in the same gift. And they all were completely different from each other. Daniel and Ezekiel are the two I really like to talk about the most because they were actually more in the same timeline. Daniel's up here on the mountain. He's up here in the palace. He's in a Babylonian palace serving a king. And Ezekiel is by a river serving the captives of Israel. These are the two people they're meeting, but they had the same call, the call to be a prophet. And if you read their stories, they do it completely differently. Their story is completely different. Daniel is in a palace Learn the literature and the ways of the Chaldeans. You know what that is? That is occult practices. 
He's literally being taught occult practices. He's being taught how to read tarot cards, how to interpret the stars, how to do these crazy things. And he's living with a bunch of dudes who are all into it. And he is holding Jesus in his heart. Speaking to a king that doesn't care at all about his God. And Ezekiel is down by a river speaking to captives, getting rattled and shaken up by the Holy Spirit. If you read the first three chapters of Ezekiel, he gets filled with the Holy Spirit, manifests, falls to the ground, gets picked up off the ground again five times. He's like a crazy charismatic, and Daniel's over here, kind of like an undercover charismatic Presbyterian, or Presbyterian, you know? He's like, I'm just doing my job, and he's over here shaking around. They've had the same gifting. They're called by God to be a prophet to the place that they are in. And I look at this sometimes and I think, how many times that we let comparison rob us of our own uniqueness? And I don't know who said it, but it's so good. Comparison is the thief of joy. Comparison is what robs you. And I think in a time like this, there is, we talk so much about, you know, what is unity? What is conformity? And, and, and you know, you see it in this. The world today, you watch the news of like, you should accept me. You should accept this. You know, how, how does this look? It, it, the lines can be blurred of what that looks like. But we have to see that God has called us in our own gifting, calling, and function. And I think it would be really easy for Daniel to be down there in the, by the river, eating off of poop because that's actually what God told him to do. <laughs> and look at Daniel's like, look at this guy. He's eating all these fancy fruits and veggies in a palace. And Daniel's probably up here. He's like, look at this guy. He's shaking around, having fun with the Holy Spirit. I'm over here hanging out with this dude who I don't even know. I think Satan's in him. You know? He's thinking these different things. How many times do we do that? How many times, like, man, I wish if I just had that, what that guy had, I could do what it did. I could, I could be more Jesus-y. <laughs> they had different functions. Daniel's up there. He's probably castrated. He, no, seriously, he was probably castrated in his captivity. We compare each other, but we don't, you know, oftentimes we compare each other by viewing each other's Instagram profile rather than what's actually going on before the picture was taken. And we do the same with our giftings. So let's look at your giftings. We already decided that every single one of you can prophesy. Everyone can prophesy. But you have different giftings too. You know, in in Romans 12 and in Corinthians 12, it talks about the different gifting. It talks about, yeah, the some have wisdom, some have the words of wisdom, some have words of knowledge, some the gift of, in workings of miracles, some healing, tongues, interpretation of tongues, service, administration, hospitality. What does it look like to function in your gift or to operate in your gift prophetically with the, of the gift of hospitality? What does it look like to do that? What does it look like to do that with wisdom and knowledge? What does it look like to do that in the working of miracles, in administration? What does that look like? Just right there, 
every one of you operating in a gift of prophecy can look completely different because someone else is walking in administration where you are like, man, God, don't ever put me next to a desk like that, you know? You're over here having parties. Hospitality. What does it look like? So then we come to callings. What does it look like to operate in a gift of prophecy but with a different calling? So with calling, I feel like, I don't want to say, when we start looking at your callings, We can, we can get a little too charismatic with what Collins is. We get too more, I think that would be the best way to put it, but um, too future-focused. Your calling is today. And it's tomorrow. What you're training for tomorrow is how to respond to your calling today. So your calling... First, I think it looks like, what does it look like to prophesy in your own home? What does it look like to speak the heart and mind of God in your own home? What does it look like to speak it in your job? See, you've got the Holy Spirit in you, and if you are an engineer, or however you are, whatever job you do, a teacher, engineer, whatever it is, there is something for you to release. It says in Daniel chapter 2 that knowledge is given to those who have understanding. There is prophetic knowledge that's being given to you in the field that you carry because you are the one who carries the understanding of the, in the field. Knowledge is given to those who have understanding. These are, these are great questions you need to ask. Like, God, what does it look like for me to carry your spirit, to release the word of prophecy in the field of my influence? See, Paul understood this. So Paul understood what this looked like. He says in 1 Corinthians 9, 2, he says, even though I may not be an apostle to others, even though I may not be an apostle to others, surely I am to you. He knew who he was called, and he knew where he could utilize his gift. See, everyone has a gift that can work anywhere, but everyone's gift works best somewhere. Your gift can work anywhere, but it's going to work best somewhere, somewhere and on someone. And that's one of the questions that you have to answer. You have to seek the Lord on. How do I utilize this gift? Where do I do it? Jesus even said the same thing. He said, and he answered them in Matthew 15, 24, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Jesus was aware of his calling. He was aware of the certain people group he was to go after, of he was to prophesy into. See, those who have oversight have insight. And where you're called is where God is going to give you the greatest level of revelation in that place. And sometimes we look, sometimes we look at certain people and we see them operating their gifts like, man, if I was just over there. I think one of the hardest things is to have a desire and a calling for God in your heart. And you don't know what to do with it. And so what you think you have to do is you have to be called into ministry. And he's like, man, if there's a pastor or someone would recognize me and put me on a stage, then I could actually use my gift. I remember at one point I was um I was living, I had uh, three friends I was living with, and man, we we encouraged each other so much in the Lord. We all loved God. We all had this, just our hearts were on fire. And they were all working at a church. And I was working at Verizon Wireless. 
And they're coming home at the end of the night. They're telling these stories. Man, yeah, like we were prophesying over this guy today. And we did this. And, man, there's this God's going to do all this great stuff. But I'm like, ah, I was selling cell phones today. <laughs> this woman came in. She handed me a broke phone. I tried to fix it. And then after five minutes of touching it, she told me she dropped it in the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, our days were just alike. <laughs> but I remember in that time, God started to speak to me. He's like, Zach, you're, you're the prophet of Verizon. Well, am I? Is there anyone else? No, I guess not. Well, then prophesy. It's like, well, how do I do that? I'm not in a church culture. Seriously, I think sometimes a lot of people, they get wrapped up in more of what a church culture and language is rather than what a kingdom culture and a kingdom language is. And because of that, their prophetic giftings are only utilized inside a house when Brain is over here playing a beautiful song on the guitar and we're speaking a word of God over someone. But we don't know how to take it outside of it to declare it to the people who actually are needing to hear it, to change the world around us. Ephesians 3.10 says that we need to walk in the manifold wisdom of God, and through that we declare the fullness of who he wants. Uh, we, we declare to the world the rulers and principalities in the heavenly realm. The manifold wisdom of God is the multicolored, the multi-textured, the multi-layered revelation of who he is, and that's who you are. Two percent of people are called to a church stage. I don't want to do this full time. I'm a realtor. Like, I don't, this stage freaks me out, if I'm going to be really honest. I've had indigestion this morning. <laughs> like, this thing, oh, man. But we, we, we want, like, I want a stage, God. Because if I have a stage, I can use my gifting. And we wait for a stage and never capitalize on what God has already gifted us with. Like I said, your calling isn't something in the distance. It's today. And the way you capitalize and you use and you tap into the calling of today is what's going to prepare you for the calling of tomorrow. A lot of people have great words over their lives. I see nations over you. Yeah, that's awesome. Where are you? I'm in Greenville, South Carolina. All right, we'll do something there. These are the questions we have to, we have to look at. What does it look like to walk in your gifting today? So then you have function. How do you function in your gift? I love this. This is fun. Let's just, like I said, we're just looking at the prophetic. But the way the prophetic can come to you is so unique and different. And this is a very practical teaching, but I, I think, like, sometimes we can make the prophetic so mystical and spiritual it becomes so confusing, and it needs to be dialed down to something practical so that we can make sense of it. I can't tell you how many times I've experienced something in the Lord, and I've just stared at a wall for an hour, like, what just happened? You know? And it's, it's amazing, and it's beautiful, but then you don't know how to put speech to it to ever communicate it to someone else. 
I've been hanging out with uh, Tony lately. And we've been getting together and working out and getting to know him. He's an awesome guy, if you don't know him. And uh, yeah, I got you blushing now. Yeah. Yeah. And so we were talking the other day, and we were like, Let's, well, have you ever taken the Strength Finders test? He's like, yeah, I've taken that. I was like, awesome. I love the Strength Finders test. Has anyone ever taken that before? The Strength Finders test? So, yeah, Strength Finders. Am I slurring my words? <laughs> Street Fighter, no. Street, <laughs> street Fighter test, yeah. <laughs> you were born in, you were a kid in the 90s, you took the Street Fighter test. Uh, no, the Strength Finders test. And so it's a really cool test, and it kind of shows you all the different, um, you know, your strengths, where your strengths lie in life. And so me and Tony were talking, and he showed me his, and I looked at him and was like, man, you were all business, bro. His first test, his first strength is analytical, which is awesome. But I'll tell you something. With prophetic people, we're more right-brained thinkers. And prophetic people think more in concepts and ideas, very much analogies and visions. Where left-brained thinkers think more analytically. They think more in detail. Madison is a very detail-oriented person. I am not. It makes for an interesting dynamic in our house. I am like talking about, man, I just feel like God is saying this. Or we're going to do something this. It's going to be huge. It's going to be big. And she's like, babe, the trash can's been overflowing for the last three days. It's like, I see the future. She's like, see the trash. <laughs> oh, man. But there, there, therein lies attention. And I found that if you want to be able to communicate the manifold wisdom of the, of the Lord, the greatness of all his detail, who he is, we have to learn how to speak a different language. We have to learn to speak not just a church culture language, but a kingdom language. We have to learn how to speak in a way that translate what God is saying in the spiritual and bring it to the natural mind. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says that God has given us a spirit that takes spiritual thoughts and turn them into spiritual words. And this is something that we have to understand. We have to, oftentimes what I do, like I saw someone the other day. I saw someone at a QT and I had to work for. And I, I, for me personally, my, part of my process is I have to take it through multi-filter systems. And so I'm like, God, what? All right, am I speaking crazy, Zach, charismatic, mystical language? <laughs> like, could someone who is not me or doesn't know me, doesn't listen to my books or read the books I read, listen to the podcasts I read, understand what I'm saying? And so I kind of filter it through, I filter it through, and I'm like, all right, I, I, I'm actually going to communicate this way that a normal person on the street could hear it. And so I went up to this person, and I saw, I saw him, and I said, hey, I, I just feel like the Lord wants you to know that God's going to provide for your education and that the route that he's taking you through it is going to be, is not going to be a common route. And she immediately just starts crying and telling me how, you know, she's trying to, um, you know, get this certain job and get educated for it and get, and get in position for it. But, you know, her, the financial situation in her life has been really difficult. And so we're just talking. And I was like, wow, that's, that's awesome. That's great. I was actually right. 
It's good when your words are right, right? <laughs> and she says to me, and I won't forget this, she said, I have asked God for so long that he would bring someone to me who would communicate his heart for me. How cool is that? And I was like, wow. And so we sat there, we talked for a little bit, and prayed together. And I was like, man, like, the word of God needs to be communicated to people outside of it. And oftentimes, we limit ourselves by allowing it to stay in our own imagination rather than putting it to a word. Life and death is in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. I think one of the hardest things is the translation aspect of taking what God has put in your head and interpreting it and finding a way to put it in your mouth. But when you do it, that's where the blessing comes. I want to get back to function. Um, and this is the really detailed aspect of just hearing the voice of God and having it apply to yourself. We all operate differently. Like, we all have different personalities. Like, me and Tony, we're, we have a different personality. But we need each other to work and to create something. We need, we need people who are visionaries. We need people who pay attention to detail. We need the right brain. We need the left brain thinkers. And I'm just, there's multiple different ways that we can function in our gift. I think one way is some people are very imaginative. A lot of people call them seers. You know, actually, in the Old Testament, the prophets were called seers. It says that, uh, it talks about Samuel, he used to be called a seer before it was called a prophet. And I think one of the reasons why that is is because they didn't have the detail, and this is just an opinion, but they didn't have the detail to understand the difference of function. And so as they began to understand the detail and the difference of function, they started to give more um, clear, uh, greater detail or more uh, clarity to the words and to the titles that they gave. And so seers, they often see things. They're very imaginative. They, they, they daydream a lot. I am a, the master of daydreaming. I'll be riding the car with Madison, and I'll just be like, I was just talking to myself, and they, my mouse will push me. I'm like, what are you doing? It's like, come back to me. I'm like, okay, I'm here, I'm here. But they see a lot of things in their own imagination. And so there's three ways that they often see things. One, in their imagination, in their mind. Two, in visions, like Roy was talking about today. It's external. So visions internal, visions external, and then visions in the natural. And when I say visions in the natural, it could be like um, you see a truck drive by and it says hospital on it. And God grabs that word and you notice your spirit kind of jump when you read it. And it, he speaks, he communicates something along those lines to you. A lot of people see that and see it with numbers. Numbers can be very, like, uh, Lord can speak a lot through numbers in that sense. So, there's three levels of a seer, how he operates. It's one is the internal, the external, and then the natural. And if, then there's another type, a, uh, a hearer. So in hearing, hearing and seers are very, um, they're like two sides of the same mirror because they have the three uh, places where they hear and communicate with the Lord the same. They hear internally, they hear externally, but they also hear things in the natural. So an example of hearing something in the natural would be like you're driving down the road and you're listening to the radio and a song comes on. And there's a line or a lyric in the song that jumps out at you. 
And you're like, my God, are you saying something to me about this? I used to sing this. I, I, the other day, I was, um, I was like in the gym. I was working out or something like that. And I started singing this old song, a song I haven't listened to in like 18 years. It's an old Dave Matthews Band song. I was a huge Dave Matthews Band fan growing up. And uh, it's called, I think it's called You Might Die Trying. And this is the lyrics. To change the world, it starts with one step. However small, the first step is hardest of all. And he just, I was just singing those lyrics. I haven't listened to the song in 18 years. And I, started, I feel like then the Lord started speaking to me through it. I remember another time it happened. I was um, just giving some practical examples. I remember one time I woke up one morning, and I got alone with Jesus. I was reading my Bible. I fixed my coffee, and then I had to get back into the bedroom to go brush my teeth. And if you are a husband and your wife is asleep, you know. When you walk to the bedroom, you better be in ninja mode because you do not want to be the man who's going to wake her up in the morning. So I'm tiptoeing through the bedroom. And I don't know what happens to me. I begin to sing a song. And this is the song I sing. Wake up, Maddie, I think I got something to say to you. I like, I look, I stop. I'm like, what the heck did I just do? And I sprint into the bathroom and lock the door. I don't know why I thought that was going to work, as if she wouldn't realize that was me. So I start brushing my teeth. I'm like, why was I singing Rod Stewart? I don't listen to Rod Stewart. <laughs> And then I thought, wait a second, it's, the song is Maggie, not Maddie. And I was like, wait, oh my goodness. So I run out of the bathroom, Madison's already up, she's getting ready. I'm like, babe, God just spoke to me. She said, what? She's like waking up. God has something to say to you this morning. You need to get alone with him before you go to work. God has a word for you. She's like, Okay. 30 minutes later, I hear a scream come across the house. Babe, oh my gosh, you will not believe what just happened to me. And she, there was just this moment that she had with the Lord. So for a detail that we were going, someone we were walking through at the time that she, she needed an answer for, the Lord spoke to her this answer and brought encouragement to her in that moment. These are the ways, these are just obscure ways that oftentimes we just bypass this like, oh, that was just an obscure thought. Some of us operate in feelers. We're, we're very feeling. Like we, um, we, we gravitate to people's emotions. Madison does this. She does this so well. We can walk into a room and she has this, an eye. It's a sense where she could see someone who's hurting in a party. And I've seen it so many times where she walks over to them. She'll start talking to them and she just has the perfect word for them. Because she can sense where the hurt is in their heart. And she can speak a word of God that brings them into alignment with his peace and encouragement that he carries. There's different functions that we operate in. So that's how we receive a word. And then it's through our character. You know, it's through our, even our personalities that we can release it to the world around us. And so you get your giftings, your callings, and your functions. When you look at all these different characteristics, you can see how every single one of us could hear God differently that every single one of you could prophesy, but everyone could look completely different in the way you prophesy. 
And so with that said, I want to go to this last passage, 1 John 2.27. I just want to read this. We'll start here in the middle. And you have no need that anyone should teach you, but his anointing teaches you about everything. And you have no need that anyone should teach you, but his anointing teaches you about everything. This subject is so complex, and you are so unique, but you're also extremely anointed. And that's where you're going to understand how to operate in your gifting. It's through the conversation with the Lord. How do I, how do I, look, how do I operate in my gifting and my calling with the unique functions that you've placed within me? What does that look like? You have to start the conversation. See, Jesus spoke in parables. And he didn't speak that way to hide information. He spoke it in a way to be able to take it from the spiritual realm and position it in the natural for people to be able to hear it through things that they understood. But the only one who got the interpretation were the ones who sought him later afterwards asking for greater understanding. Your anointing, the anointing that's on your life to do what God's called you to do with the gifting that you have and the function that you operate in, it's what's going to teach you. And that all comes through the relationship with the Spirit of God. It's a lifelong journey, is what I realize. I get I get so sometimes I get so frustrated. I'm like, God, like I'm not where I want to be. I ask that stuff. I say that a lot. And then my wife corrects me in the most encouraging way. She said, Babe. Look at where you were a year ago. See where you're at right now? You're way further along than you think. But the enemy is coming to try to snatch these thoughts from you. I want to say this last thing here. And I guess I'll start closing up with this here. It's in tw- it was in 220 A.D. It was when the gifts started to die out from the church. And... Um, What's his name? Uh, Thyadias or something, uh, something like that. I can't remember his name. Um, but he was a, uh, a, a descendant of John uh, and his disciples. So the John the Beloved, like, he disciples so and disciples so and disciples so and disciples this guy. And he had this statement. I thought this was really interesting. He said, through the better part of all mankind, the greatest level of revelation of God was communicated to man through dreams. And the reason why it died out in the church is for two reasons. The reason why the prophetic started to die out was one, people didn't test it. It says in Thessalonians to test prophecy. Don't despise prophecies, but test it. When these things are coming into your mind, you need to test it. God, is that you? Are you speaking to me? Are you talking to me about my boss at work? I need to know this. Is that you, or is it the burrito I ate last night? (laughs) Is it just a random thought in my mind? I didn't test it. See, you test what you keep, you test. What you keep, you test. The other reason why it died out in the church, because people started thinking that prophecy wasn't for everyone. That was only for certain people. 
people who are called. And because of that, it created a perfect formula for it just to drift away into something that no one talks about anymore. Test your prophecies. Test your words. Test the ones that are already spoken over you. But test the random thoughts in your head that maybe could be him that are leading you somewhere. I remember I was in Mozambique, Africa, and I came back, and I was so on fire for the Lord. I had just been down there. I've been seeing just some incredible miracles, all these amazing things, and I just wanted to jump on a plane again and do it again. I I wanted to experience this prophetic spiritual world the way I had been. But the Lord told me, and I was very happy about this. So you need to go get a job because you got to put a ring on that girl. I was like, yes, sir. But I remember one day I was, um, I came back to the States and I was applying for jobs and I was driving to an interview. I said, God, I don't want to waste my time interviewing places. So I just ask you, Lord, please put me in the position that you want me to be in. But I ask you one thing if you do it. If you put me in this position, I don't want to chase ministry. I want ministry to chase me. I don't want to chase signs and wonders. I want these things to chase me. I don't want to chase your voice. I want your voice to chase me. So I pull up. It was Verizon Wireless. I pull up there, and I was going to go walk in the interview. And I walked in. As soon as I opened the door, I heard her voice speaking to my left ear. It said, this is your job. I go in. And the, the manager comes around from behind the corner, and I shake his hand. I'm like, hey, I'm Zach. He's like, hey, I'm, it says his name. And I noticed he had this giant black spot over his eye. So we go in the back, and we sit down. And he just stares at the ground. It's super awkward. And finally, after 20 seconds, he says, I'm sorry. I, I just got a phone call about two minutes ago. He said, it was my doctor. He told me I have eye cancer, and I have to have surgery real soon, but they don't know how to operate it, so they have to fly someone in. I about laughed in his face. I said, God, I just told you ministry's chasing me, and it just found me in this job, in this place where I'm at right now. <laughs> and so I was like, all right, God, I'm not going to be crazy yet. Just give me the job, and I'll pray for him. <laughs> <laughs> so I got the job. I remember I looked at him one day. I was like, the first week I was there, I said, hey. And I just had some words in my heart for him. I shared these words for him. I said, listen, man, God's going to heal you. Can I pray for you? I was like, you're the weirdest person I have ever met. So I prayed for him. He goes in for a surgery the next day. And they cut him open. And they're like, why are you here? There's no trace of cancer anywhere in his eye. This doctor was flown in from out of state. He said, why did you call me? And they showed him the, what I was happening when, two weeks ago, and I showed, he saw what was happening now. There was nothing there. He comes back, and he looks at me and says, you were the most strange person I've ever met in my life. I am so happy you're here. Over the next year, two years, we worked together. God was opening up door after door after door for me to speak into this guy's life. 
Six months ago, he calls me up. And he says, Zach, man, I just want you to know, I've been in the church my entire life. And then I left it. I just, I never experienced the heart of God like I experienced with you, and I never experienced the power of God like I experienced with you. When you would speak to me, when you would pray for me, when you would do these things, even though I thought you were so weird, but I have a question for you. I said, yeah, I've been praying for this guy at my new job now. How do I do it? He thinks I'm weird too. I'm like, that's pretty cool, man. (laughs) Now you understand how it feels, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) And then he calls me up and says, I got one more thing I want to ask you. Because of this, I'm about to get married. Will you marry me and my wife? Because there's no one who's had more of an effect on our relationship with the heart of God and this expressing and exposing to us what the power of God is and how God can change things. I said, yeah, man, I'd love to do that. I'll be honest with you guys, I was more nervous than the bride to do a wedding. Oh, my gosh. But it was so powerful. And I just, I feel like the giftings, you are spiritually gifted. And prophecy isn't a ministry gift. It's a life gift. It's a life skill. It's a life tool. And if you limit it to the church, you'll never go as far as what you, could, you were meant to take it. And especially if you are not working in a church, you're never going to go as far, anywhere close to as far as you were meant to take it. Because if you are not called to a church, you're called to life. You're called to your home. You're called to your work. You're called to the places you frequent every day. And that's the place where you're going to operate in it. And that's the place where you're going to function within it. And that's where you're going to change the world. That's where the manifold wisdom of God is going to be released through you. So Jesus, I just thank you. I thank you for this gift of prophecy. I think that we all operate and prophesy uniquely in our own giftings, our own callings, our own functions, and the way our character is made up. God, I thank you that you've put us all in different places that have different impacts. I ask you, Lord, that right now that your, your anointing will start to teach us, that we will say, yes, God, teach us how can we create and release an impact where we are and the uniqueness of our gift. How can we change the world around us? God, we love you. We love you, and we are on fire for you. We want to release you. in the way that you've called us to. We thank you, Jesus. Amen.